Hello, this is Jesse Weiler for Autoramus Bulletin. On this episode, we have a special guest, the editor of Autoramus Bulletin, Chris Carsons, and I sit down with him and talk about all things Mary for the month of May. So without further ado, another Autoramus interview. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? Good, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm, uh, you know, a little on the sick side, but uh, I'll try to speak not as frequently as you during this uh, wonderful podcast today. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's uh, uh, I don't know the weather in Chicago is like here over the weekend. We had sun and snow and rain and hail and sleet and wind and northern lights. And it's no wonder that uh, people are a little under the weather trying to navigate all that. And, and that was just in the morning. And then the afternoon was a whole nother story. That's so true. That's so true. But that's what, uh, I don't know, that's what happens in the spring. And so uh, that's our topic for uh, for this uh, interview is uh, springtime in the life of the church. Yeah. So, you know, we're in the uh, approaching the month of May, which is uh, the month of Mary. And what a better uh no better, you know, visionary for uh, for a springtime for the church than Mary herself, the the perfect reflection of Christ. So, what uh, as we kind of approach that, what are some things that you think, uh, you know, Honoramus Bulletin is kind of focusing on some things that maybe people should be thinking about coming into this literal springtime, but also this, you know, metaphorical springtime. Yeah, yeah, you know. So of course the the print bulletin comes out every other month, and so we're you know, we, we try to be conscious of the liturgical calendar and and uh, make our uh, entries and commentaries and editorials and news uh, topical to that. And so we had a number of things in this in this May issue that's uh, uh, just about to come out. Uh, for example, there's a number of good entries on the Ascension. Uh, that's uh, May 21st this year. If uh, if you're in one of those places that's moved the Ascension to, I still get uh, questions about is, is Ascension on Thursday or not. I got one today, in fact. So yeah, in most places the ascension's been transferred, and bishops can do this uh, to uh, to this to the I guess it'll be the seventh uh, Sunday of Easter. So it'll be the twenty first if you're in one of those places. Uh, and then we've got a number of uh, entries uh, on uh, Corpus Christi, which is in June, right? So this issue will cover uh, May, June, and so June eleventh. That's another one of these uh, uh, holy days of obligation that can be transferred. You know, used to be on uh, uh, Thursday. Uh, it's been uh, transferred to. Uh, to the Sunday, so June 11th. So there's a lot of stuff like that in the print bulletin, but uh, you know we don't want to overlook, uh, as you say, Mary. And so I thought maybe in this uh, interview we could talk about some of these Marian things. So May, May is uh, May is Mary's month, and there's all sorts of uh, events that happen in uh, uh, in May. So for example, at the end of the month, uh, we have and there's kind of three I guess I'd like to talk about here. Well, maybe we start in the beginning, May 13th. Put you on the spot here. Uh, uh, Jesse, what's May 13th? Is that Mother's Day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, your mother would, uh, I guess, be proud of you. And it's uh, Our Lady of Lords, right? So that's the, is that the miracle of the sun? No, no, it's it's Fatima. Sorry. So I was going to say, Lords, I know Lords is in February. That's yeah, February so. 11th. Yeah. You've been to Lords? I have not, although it's on my list of places to go. Okay. Uh yeah, so yeah. Uh, um, Lourdes is February 11th. Uh, uh, Our Lady of Fatima is uh, uh, May 13th, right? So that's one thing. Um, but then towards the end of the month, 
We've got a couple of Marian things going on. So uh, Pentecost is May 28th. And you think, Pentecost, what's that have to do uh, uh, with Mary? Well, um, I, she was in the room. She was in the room. She was in the room. That's right. And uh, and so she has um, in 2018, actually on the uh, Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, the Holy See came out and said, hey, this year we're, we're going to introduce a new memorial called Mary, Mother of the Church, which will be Monday after Pentecost. And so that is May 29th. If it's and, one thing the church needs, it's, it's another day to celebrate Mary in the liturgical calendar, I think. So, you know, let's... when you said that, it reminded me of... Um, you know, this you help facilitate this uh, uh, Ascension Press book on solemnities, and we've commented a, a number of uh, times about how we were surprised that there are that many solemnities. Uh, you know, listeners, uh, ask yourself right now how many solemnities are in the church's year, and there's 17. And I remember thinking, wow, I didn't know there was that many. Well, so too with uh, Marian uh, feasts or memorials or celebrations. I should go back and count those, but I bet there's more than 17 over the course of uh, the calendar. But well, yeah, sure, so, you uh, have one for every apparition that she has as a as a feast day, you know. So, yeah, well, in fact, even they've got you know this uh, thing's called the collection of masses uh, of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So that she sort of has her own lectionary and uh, missal. I suppose it's like an appendix or supplement to the Roman missal that has orations, a number of orations. I don't know, it must be. 40 of these things for Mary. Yeah, so there's a lot of those. So you have uh, Pentecost. You've got Mary, Mother of the Church on uh, the Monday after, and this year that's uh, the 28th. And then the visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary is May 31st. So it's a, it's a whole lot of Marian things uh, going on in the month of May. Plus you have, I mean, Mother's Day. I mean, that's a, I think that's kind of a yeah. you know secular representation. But then oftentimes, like our parish is doing... Uh, next Sunday, they'll be doing a May crowning. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, a, you know, a, it just goes, it goes even beyond just the liturgical calendar too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's just uh, unpack some of these and th see how the Weilers and the Karstens uh, might go about uh, observing these. And um, maybe this will be uh, ideas for others. But uh, when we started a uh, Pentecost, right? So Mary is in the room. And so there's uh, long been a, Kind of a Marian element to uh, to Pentecost when when the Holy See came out and you know uh, promulgated the desire of Pope Francis to to have this new feast day. It talked about some of these things about how um, you know Mary is called the mother of 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 the Church because uh, she, well we may get a little ahead of myself but it's related. See there, there's a reason this is right after Pentecost. Um, all right, so Mary is in the room with the uh, with the uh, apostles and and uh, praying and and Pentecost is in a lot of ways the manifestation of the church. So in some ways you can say, well, the church is born out of the open sight of Christ on a Good Friday, but or maybe I don't know, kind of in its early uh, gestational form, you might want to say. But then it's not until Pentecost that she arrives publicly on the scene with the. Uh, uh, with the descent of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so Mary is there for that, for this birth of the church. And I've, you remember, Jesse, uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about this in various uh, media in the past. Um, there's a there's a wonderful line about Mary in the Eucharist when she's together with the apostles, whether it's on Pentecost or not. But imagine Mary being with the apostles uh, as they celebrate the Eucharist, as they celebrate Mass, and how she receives the Eucharist um, 
internally and, and you just this is a reflection of john paul ii in his letter um uh, i guess it's ecclesia de eucharistia how this is what he tries to take us inside mary's mind what it would have been like for her to receive the Eucharist after having conceived Jesus in her womb once before. Now it's almost like uh, this is in some ways happened to me before receiving the body of Christ within her. And so kind of, you know, riffing off of that, I've often wondered about this uh, day of Pentecost when the Holy spirit comes down upon uh, uh, the early church in the upper room, what would Mary have been thinking as the Holy Spirit descended? You just imagine her, you know, all the, uh, I mean, I don't know what the other apostles were thinking, but, you know, you've got tongues of fire and you've got wind and you've got all of this. Did this be a pretty, I don't know, possibly traumatic event? And just Mary sort of thinking to herself, yes, I've, I know this experience. This has happened to me before. Right. Ah, yes, Holy Spirit. I think we know each other, don't we? We've met before, haven't we? So, anyway. well, we talk about this high, low, high, low, high, low, and, and the Mass is all about that. You know, liturgy of the Word and the high, low, and then the liturgy of the Eucharist. And in a sense, you know, it's the descent of the Holy Spirit, and of course, Mary's in the room, and then you have her, um, you know, her assumption. You know, and so, mm-hmm. like you said, it, it's it's a it's a it's redone. You know what I mean? We, the, we, we keep doing this in, in the church. We remember, we do uh, constantly. And so that, the fact that she does that is, I think, a great gift because it shows that even Mary uh, continues to remember Christ in the Mass, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she is. Well, you know, you mentioned Mother's Day. I mean, think of all that uh, our mothers have taught us, you know, in the natural uh, you know world of things. And um and you know mary the church is our mother mary's our mother too and the example that she gives to us and yeah you know so when you go to the next day then the celebration of mary mother of the church you know it's i don't know you it mary is the mother of the body of christ the physical one and mary's the mother of the body of christ the ecclesial one the church and uh, this is I started down this track earlier before I changed my mind. You know, when the when the when the church promulgated this uh, memorial of Mary, Mother of the Church, uh, you know, it's Cardinal Robert Seurat, who was the the what they call these guys, the um, the prefect, right, for the what's the for divine worship. Uh, he writes this, you know, invoking St. Leo, who said that, uh, you know, just how Mary cooperated in the birth of the physical body of Jesus. So now at this Pentecost event, especially, she cooperates in the birth of the ecclesial body, which uh, which is Jesus. And then uh, Cardinal Seurat also uh, invokes St. Augustine, who says, you know, Mary just didn't simply give birth to the head but to the whole body. So, you know, Mary gives birth to the whole body of Christ, the head whom is Christ, who is Christ. And then, you know, us who are in, uh, we're in the body. And so this, there's a lot of wonderful things um, about Pentecost relative to the blessed Virgin Mary that um, I don't know. I <clears throat> Hopefully, you know, us dads out there, we have something to say about this. Hopefully we can explain and teach some of these things uh, to our children as, as, uh, as these days come ahead. One of the things I love in terms of kind of a tradition 
on Pentecost is you'll see this at St. John Cantus in Chicago, and then you'll see it in the Pantheon in, in Rome, where they uh, pour out rose petals on Pentecost, and they just kind of rain down from the ceiling as these little tongues of fire. But, of oh. course, we always think Mary is, you know, the rose, the flowers. And so I think that's kind of fitting. You know, that's a very Marian thing to do, to use rose petals uh, to, you know, remember the the, ton- the tongues of fire coming down. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you want it. Well, this is a good transition. And let's talk about uh, May crownings. Does your parish, uh, Jesse, or do, in your family, do you have a, a May crowning uh, uh, tradition? Yeah, like like I said, yeah, we'll be doing ours next Sunday. And uh, we'll be doing in that. In the parish or in your house? In the parish. Yeah. And uh, in fact, you know, uh, back when I worked at the University of St. Mary of the Lake, you know, they would do that big event every year. And there's this beautiful statue of Mary right between the uh, the main chapel and the refectory. And they would uh, do this big event and, and a brunch and everything like mm-hmm. that. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I when I was younger, we didn't really do that, but we do that at our parish and they'll be doing it actually at my kid's school as well. So yeah. they'll get a double a double crowning. You know, what, I, I'm with you. I mean, when I was young, I, I mean, I don't think I saw my first May crowning until my own kids were were doing it. It wasn't a thing when when I was going grew up. And is that kind of a common theme about <laughs> the, the the last 50 years of liturgical and devotional history? Is that uh, a lot of these things were, you know, I think the, the there was an emphasis and a, and a good one, you know, to to bring our minds back to the centrality of the liturgy, but. The casualty in that was uh, the church's devotional life, which so many people, you know, who are our age just never had or never grew up with. Um, but we usually have uh, First Communion on uh, in the parish on the first uh, Sunday of May. And then the next Sunday is when we do the May crowning. And it's the First Communion children that uh, bring forward the crown. And... Um, I remember this is always kind of a tense moment. You know, you got this little girl in her first communion dress and her little shoes, and she's supposed to climb up this ladder. And uh, everybody kind of holds their breath that she's doing this safely and uh, puts the crown on top of uh, of Mary. And then uh, usually the kids will sing, uh, you know, a Marian hymn, or we'll sing uh, Regina Celi Letare, Alleluia, which is, um, you know, if you're looking for a way to introduce some uh, traditional chants and some Gregorian chant into your parish, this is a really easy one. You can almost do it uh, in a sort of response sort of way where you have a cantor to sing Regina Celi Letare, and everybody else can come in and sing Alleluia. I mean, it's uh, easiest pie doing that. I'm but glad you it, mentioned the first communion because they're they're doing that at, at uh, our kids' school, and I yep. and I imagine they're going to do it at our parish. And in fact, uh, my oldest Agnes will be receiving her first communion on May twenty hey. first. So, hey, all right. May so she 20th. was, uh, yeah. So she was. She's doing this kind of on her own. I was kind of her catechist for this because she's been asking about it and and asking uh-huh. the right questions and. I want to expressing a hunger, you might say. Yes, yes, and Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that there's an encounter attached with Mm -hmm. this uh, formation because the last thing that I want is for things to be rote and procedural, especially Mm -hmm. involving the sacraments. And so, uh, but but uh, yes, for the May crowning, usually the the children will wear their first communion outfits uh, again to kind of Mm -hmm. continue Mm -hmm. that forward. Yeah. No, you know, this is, 
we could do our next uh, interview on uh, Mary and the Blessed Sacrament. You know, there's those things before about, uh, we said, uh, Mary receiving Jesus again, how unique that was and, and what uh, John Paul had to say about that. But even the, um, you know, this line, uh, Jesse, I've, I've only heard it from Cardinal Ratzinger, who who invokes the early tradition that says Mary conceived through her ear. Remember we're talking about that? No, Which is kind that of an sounds odd fascinating. Sort of thing. But through listening, right? So uh, Mary listens to the yeah, message of the angel, hmm. and because she hears appropriately, the body of Christ is uh, conceived within her. And that, in a certain sense, you know, when we go to to mass, you know, when Agnes uh, goes to mass, you know, she through hearing, she she kind of, kind of begins to conceive Christ within there, and then her her um, first Holy Communion to receive then Jesus, and she becomes. You know, kind of like a walking, ta a walking, talking tabernacle uh, throughout the church. Yeah. So there's other great. Uh, I suppose any truth of faith that the church has has some sort of uh, connection, uh, obvious or not, to uh, to the Blessed Virgin Mary. There's, I mean, I, I like that. You know, conceiving through hearing, but there is also her word. You know, her fiat, her yes, which is mm -hmm. an integral part of that whole process too. Her word and the word. You know? Yeah, that that's uh, again uh, Ecclesia de Eucharistia is when she says when she Agnes says feet uh, says Amen. That's akin to Mary saying uh, Fiat. Yeah, that's the that's the the precise analogy that uh, the Holy Father makes. But yeah, and I guess maybe one final thing we might say, you know, talking about roses and rosaries and things like that. There's at least the feast of the Visitation of the Blessed Mother on uh, May 31st. Um, we should have looked this up. I mean, although I'm probably the only person in the world, maybe you too, who's uh, interested in this sort of trivia is when did John Paul II write uh, Rosarium Virginis Mariae? Uh, it's probably in the month of May. That's only a guess. If I were his editor, that's what I, I would have suggested anyway. But I'm only the, I'm the mere editor of uh, Adoramus Bulletin. But You're uh, an editor's editor. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, you know, think, um, you know, about this uh, John Paul II manner of reciting uh, the rosary that he talks about in uh, uh, Rosarium Virginis Mariae, that um, if you can, you would pray before an image. So imagine. Um, it's almost like an Ignatian rosary. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways it is. So imagine if, um, you know, perhaps you don't have all the images spread throughout your house. So I'm sure the Weilers do, knowing you guys. Imagine if you could find uh, an image of the, the visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Maybe you could even just pull it up on a tablet or something like that. And so you would you would have this image of Mary visiting Elizabeth. You would read a little scripture passage of uh, that, that encounter from the Bible. You would uh, say the Lord's Prayer, maybe even sing the Lord's Prayer. Right, as you would at mass. And then you would pray, you know, the decade, say, of the, the visitation. And, you know, he um, after I think this was a P Paul the sixth. Um, well, Paul the sixth mentioned this tradition that exists in some places that after you say, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who uh, um, met John the Baptist in the womb or something like that, or who traveled with Mary to, to visit Elizabeth. Right. This little uh, descriptor. Uh, and then pray the rest of the the rosary that way, and then um, uh, sing the doxology right to the Trinity, and then you know there's the Fatima prayer. Uh, oh Jesus, uh, 
How does that fit in prayer? I always know it until I have to, to say it. Save those from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of your mercy. You might say some other prayer. You know, even a father or mother or private person could make up this, which you can do in the devotions, right? We're not supposed to be making up prayers in the sacred liturgy, but the devotional life you know, allows a little bit more of leeway there. So you might just say a prayer, ask Agnes, you know, or one of my kids, you know, to say a prayer. Uh, Jesus, thank you for traveling safely with your mother to visit Elizabeth and to meet St. John. Something like that to, that's more specific to uh, to the to the mystery. So that might be another thing that you could do during May is uh, recount that method of praying the rosary that John Paul II encouraged in that apostolic letter. Now, not everybody can do this. I'm fully well in understanding, but perhaps this year my children could have a visitation with my wife who is expecting. Uh, that would be kind of a really cool thing to do, you know? That would be right? a very cool thing to do. Wouldn't that be great? They could do like a visitation with my wife who is with child. Yeah. Where would they take her? <laughs> I don't know. Probably Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> Very Mediterranean, Jesse. Good job. Good that's, job. That's uh, Isaac's favorite place to go. Right? If, if he ever has a chance, he's like, Olive Garden. It's either Olive Garden or Hong Dai Gam, which is a Korean barbecue place. Those wow. are his two favorite. Could not be different, more different from each other. Uh, well, oh, you, got a, you, you got a great family. Anyway, well, there's some things that uh, were on my mind, you know, as I sort through all the possible material that we could write about or comment about or publish in the bulletin and didn't want to give uh, uh, oversight to to Mary. But uh, Pentecost and uh, uh, Fatima and the visitation and Mary, Mother of the Church and May crownings are all great things that uh, folks might consider giving more attention to as May May is upon us. You know, just, you know, my two cents, I think all of this stuff is really important. I was never really imbued with a relationship with Mary when I was younger. We didn't really do the devotions and the rosaries and the things like that. So I've spent the last, you know, decade really uh, sometimes struggling, you know, to develop that relationship with Mary because it wasn't something that was kind of instilled in me uh, when I was younger. And so as a father, you know, of young children now, I don't I don't want that to be to be the case for them. So these things, these things I think are really important, especially we want to have, you know, a genera generational spiritual growth, um, you know, by generation. Yeah. Well put. And fathers out there, we've got a big important and significant role to play in that. So they say you, they see your dad's praying the rosary, see your dad's praying. And that's a uh, few things more uh, apart from God's grace, uh, more significant for handing on the faith. So good job. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And and uh, we continue with, you know, more content from Adoramus Bulletin. And, and uh, we hope that uh, all of you out there get a chance to read all the wonderful articles uh, on Mary. Thanks, Jesse. All right. God bless.